folk please turn to Luke chapter 9 page 1027 if you are using the Bible that's in the seat rack in front of you notes of today's study and some copies of last week's I'll put up on the table where the name badges uh, are found now we are learning lessons about Christian discipleship by looking at three chapters in Luke's Gospel, chapters 8, 9 and 10, or parts of them. Now last week was about the healing of the demon-possessed man in chapter 8. Now we probably don't understand much about demons and the realm in which they live. But Jesus showed his power over those evil spirits and the destructive activities that they carry out because he is Lord. We also saw that discipleship is a three-stage process and its purpose is that God's plans for us might reach their fulfilment. Discipleship is not so much about us but it's about God and what he does for us. Now we come to chapter 9. Now it's an action chapter and Jesus and his disciples were involved in a number of things as you can see listed there. But Luke is gradually changing the scene for us in his Gospel. There's a withdrawing of Jesus and the disciples away from the crowded days of Nazareth and Capernaum. For example, if you look at verse 10 of chapter 9, Luke writes that Jesus and his disciples withdrew themselves to a town, away from the crowd in other words. Now somehow the crowd learned about this and they actually came and followed but the intention was that they might withdraw. And then in verse 18 of the same chapter Jesus was praying in private with his disciples. There are times when being with the crowd is good but there are some times when We need to be alone with God. Well, we're going to pass over several of those first sections in the chapter and we're going to concentrate on the final two paragraphs. Luke actually begins a big new section of his Gospel, the main section of his Gospel, at chapter 9 and verse 51. It's the start of Jesus' journey to Jerusalem. And that's going to end with his death and resurrection. It's the major section of the book and it continues through ten chapters until chapter 19 and verse 45 when he finally reaches Jerusalem. Now on the map we can see the region of Galilee at the top and then Jerusalem in Judea is towards the bottom. Now the straight line distance from Capernaum to Jerusalem is about 120 kilometres. Now Jesus and those with him 
visited various places along the way that took them through that middle section of Samaria. So they actually travelled a much longer distance. Now from the other Gospels we know that Jesus actually made several journeys to Jerusalem. But it seems that Luke has chosen to just take various events and bring them together to give us a general picture of Jesus' journey to Jerusalem and to his death. But there's also a change in focus here in Luke's Gospel. The previous chapters focused mainly on his deeds, such as the miracles and the one we considered last week. But now it begins to change and become more about his words. Jesus is now portrayed as the teacher of his disciples and we focus more on what he had to say. Earlier in this chapter, verse 23, Jesus mentioned an important point about following him. He said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now this suggests that being a disciple is going to be challenging because taking up a cross is not something we would normally want to do because of the associations with trouble and death. And in the two paragraphs for today, Jesus teaches us that discipleship is actually both difficult and demanding. We'll look first at verses 51 to 56 and then the rest of the chapter. So the first part, the way of discipleship is difficult. Reading from verse 51. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem and he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. Luke notes that the time was approaching for Jesus to be taken up to heaven. That's surprising. We're not even halfway through his gospel yet. That would be, of course, the triumphant conclusion to his mission on earth. He also mentioned that Jesus sent messengers on ahead. But the messengers were not welcomed in the Samaritan village. And we might wonder why that would be so. There had been a long and bitter dispute between Jews and Samaritans about where you should actually worship God. Now we sense this in John's Gospel, chapter 4 and verse 20, where Jesus was speaking to that Samaritan woman at the well in Samaria. And in the conversation she said to Jesus, our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Her people worshipped at this mountain. Now what mountain was that? It was actually Mount Gerizim near Sychar in Samaria. 
So these Samaritan villagers would not welcome these Jews who were travelling through their country. Their view was these travellers are not from among us. They're the other ones who worship in Jerusalem. There was a them and us tension between them. So Jesus' disciples were confronted with the reality that there are differing views about some religious matters. In Luke 4, Jesus had previously told us that Jesus was rejected when the people of Nazareth drove him out of their town. But now the disciples are drawn into this kind of experience. Somewhat similar incident. And it comes as a new challenge to them. What did they do about it? Well, we move on to our next reading, starting at verse 54. When the disciples James and John saw this, the rejection of Jesus, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. And they went to another village. Sadly, two of the disciples got things tangled up and Jesus had to rebuke them for asking if they should call down fire from heaven to destroy these Samaritans. Jesus did not come to destroy, but to bring new life, God's gift to needy people. But these people did not welcome him to their village. And so Luke says they went to another village. Again we see that Jesus will not force himself on those who do not want him. So we can list these factors that contribute to discipleship for these ones in that early time being a difficulty. First, messengers were sent to a Samaritan village. Of course that's likely to bring an interesting reaction. Second, Jesus' visit was not welcomed because of this tension about where you should worship. Thirdly, Jesus had been rejected at Nazareth in Luke 4, but now in Luke 9... The disciples are drawn into this kind of experience, a new one for them. And then the disciples' response was just as muddled as the Samaritans' understanding. Do such things still happen today? There is still opposition. Disciples still encounter different views about religious matters they may still respond in misguided ways so these verses make clear to us that the way of discipleship is difficult well that's part one now part two the way of discipleship is demanding and we move on to verse 57 In this paragraph we have encounters along the road to that other village 
with three would-be disciples. These men were interested in becoming followers of Jesus. Quite different to the Samaritan reaction. Well, now the first man. As they were walking along the road, a man said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. We're puzzled by that at first. But in this case the man makes the statement and then Jesus responded. I will follow you wherever you go, the man said and we can admire his enthusiasm. But Jesus saw something more and he pointed out some implications of this man's intended commitment. The foxes have holes to live in. The birds of the air have nests to live in. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus was not the leader of some new popular movement to be enjoyed while it lasted. Rather, although he did have a clear mission, he had no permanent place of abode during his earthly ministry. No place to lay his head. Now actually when you think about it, that began at Bethlehem. There was no room for him in that inn. For followers of Jesus, this world is not our true and permanent home. Discipleship is not a popular movement to follow, but it is a demanding commitment to be made. But understand what it means. Now the second man. In the second encounter, the the process is reversed. Jesus begins the conversation and the man responds. Verse 59, he said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now again, we might commend this man for his desire to fulfil his family duty and bury his deceased father. But Was that really the situation? If the father had just died, wouldn't this man have been busy with the funeral arrangements and not on that road talking with Jesus? You see, it seems that the man really wanted to wait until his father did die. before following Jesus 
Now that might have been a wait of some years. Jesus was making the point that normal practices may need to be set aside for the sake of God's kingdom. Jesus' answer, before we leave that little group of verses, perhaps we ought to explain a little more. Jesus' answer suggests that the spiritually dead who have no interest in the kingdom of God could bury others of like mind who died. But followers of Jesus have a greater issue to deal with that's related to the kingdom of God because it is a matter of life and death. The third man. Now here we go back to the first pattern. The man speaks first and then Jesus responds. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but... First let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. This man just did not understand. If Jesus is truly Lord then the man cannot lay down his own terms for following him. Thinking of ploughing, and and maybe along the road there was a man ploughing. And so Jesus refers to that and he said, look, you can't plough a straight furrow if as the ploughman you are looking backwards. Jesus' point is that discipleship requires a complete commitment to a task. No ifs or buts, but there is a goal towards which you must aim. Discipleship is not subject to personal negotiations. So what do we learn from these encounters on the road? We learn from the first man that discipleship is not a popular movement to be followed for a time but it is a demanding commitment to be made for life because Jesus is Lord. From the second man we learn that discipleship involves new priorities a new attitude to life and to living. And some normal and family matters need to be put aside, given second place. Our first priority as disciples is to seek first the kingdom of God. From the third man we learn that if Jesus is Lord and if the kingdom of God was his first priority then followers of Jesus cannot set conditions or terms to suit their own interests. So from this little passage we see that discipleship 
is demanding. But before moving on, we should note two significant expressions that Jesus used during those three encounters. The first one is the little term, the Son of Man. It's found in verse 58. Jesus often used this title for himself but it was originally used by Daniel to describe a person he saw in a vision back in Daniel chapter 7. He saw one like a son of man. This person in Daniel's vision was given authority, glory and an unending kingdom. It's actually an Old Testament reference to the Messiah who of course at that time was still to come. But it's interesting that Jesus now has adopted that title. He is the Son of Man. Now the second expression is the Kingdom of God used in verses 60 and 62. The Kingdom of God pointing to Jesus coming to earth. The kingdom of God, of course, is the realm over which he reigns as king. The coming of Jesus marked the commencement of that kingdom and it will reach its full glory and wonder when Jesus comes again at a future time and presents the completed kingdom to the Father. Jesus just had brief meetings with these three men. He emphasised that intending followers of Jesus must understand who he really is. Now last week we saw that he is indeed the Lord. Now we see that he is the promised Messiah who has authority and power and an unending kingdom. The kingdom of God is about fulfilling God's purposes for the world and for its people. In this life, and also in the life still to come. So summarising, from a human perspective, discipleship is hard. There are those who oppose, like the Samaritans. And we're challenged that discipleship is really a full commitment. And in a word, discipleship is difficult and discipleship is demanding. But we must understand what Jesus has said. Being willing to support a good cause and being concerned about duties and responsibilities that may be ours is commendable. It is good. Jesus doesn't condemn those. But what, teach, what Jesus is teaching his disciples here is that in following Jesus we may be called to choose between what is good and what is better. Discipleship is difficult and demanding. Choices have to be made. And some may wonder, oh goodness, this is just all too hard. Well, it really depends on how well we understand those two key concepts. The first one, who Jesus really is. And the second one, the nature of the kingdom of God. 
Some people, like the Samaritans we mentioned earlier, still oppose and reject Jesus. Others, like the three men, are interested in discipleship, but some issues still need to be resolved. Well, now we've talked about other people, but it really comes down, as Dale reminded us, to what I do about this. Where do I fit? What about me? What will I do? Do I understand about the issues of discipleship? Well, thinking about today's passages, if I was to meet Jesus and if he was to say to me, as he did to the second man, follow me, What would I say? How would I respond? There is a choice to be made and we need to understand clearly what that choice involves. And so while Luke tells us the old stories, there are still lessons for us all. Now if you have questions or I haven't made some point clear please come and ask about that. But consider carefully what will you do with Jesus? Let us pray. Father we are so thankful that you've given us the Bible We would never work out a lot of things in life if you had not chosen to reveal them to us. And in the Bible we learn the kind of God you are. We learn about who Jesus is. We also learn a lot about ourselves. But the glorious thing is that you are a gracious God who sent Jesus to be a saviour, to rescue us and transform us by giving us a new life that we might become true followers of Jesus, members of that glorious kingdom which in a day still to come will reach its glorious fulfilment and we will go home, our real home, along with all those who are really the members of the family that counts most, the family of God. Help us to choose wisely and help us to trust you for all that's to come. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.